Hey, Richard Gottlieb. Chris Burns. Well, how do you doing? <laughs> the question of the hour. I'm doing good. All things considered in the world right now. But we're still here and we're still playing. This is the Playground Podcast, and we are so happy to acknowledge our main sponsor, uh, Kid Stuff Public Relations. And today is a very special day. We have a return engagement by popular demand of uh, Mr. Jay Foreman, CEO of Basic Fun. And he has the distinction of being one of the people in this business who A, knows what's going on, and B, tells it like it is. So, Jay, so nice having you with us again. <laughs> great great to be back with you guys. And like you said, yeah, certainly a lot has changed. I think, I think, I can't remember the last time we talked if it was only tariffs or it was tariffs and COVID was not no, even a word no, and no it was a supply chain issue. I can't remember. It, it was tariffs and supply chain and, and, right. uh, and, Bing, bing, bing! We got COVID. <laughs> you got it, and, and now now it's a really a demand issue, and a, really a whole restack and restructure, even to a degree on many levels at retail and certainly consumer behavior. But Dave, let me ask you on an experiential level. We were all in Hong Kong. We were in Germany, in the U.S., and I know in uh, Germany, uh, people were were first beginning to refuse to shake hands. And I know at the time I thought, come on, it's a little extreme. As it looks now, that's really maybe for at least the United States, that's where it began. You know, it's interesting. I think back, I, I think I was on CNBC either, I think at the end of February or very, very early in March and did an interview and talking about COVID. It was, again, the, the bridge between the tariffs and, the, and it was a supply chain issue. And while I was on... I held up a mask and I said, here's the funny thing. I'm now exporting masks from the United States to China. Wow. We sourced, we sourced masks in February from 3M. Actually, you know, really good N95 masks, 63 cents a piece. We bought 6,000 of them because we knew the team in Hong Kong needed them. And, oh, wow. and why did we know they needed them? Because the people in Asia get it. When you get, when you are sick, when you have the cold or a flu, you put a mask on. We've all been to China. We've all been to Asia. We see people wearing masks. They do it because I'm sick. I don't want to get you sick. Right. That's the bottom line of it. Now we all need to be wearing them because we don't want to give it to somebody else and we don't want to get it. But to, to finally, in the last two weeks, from top to bottom, even in the administration, people recognizing that it's all about the mask, when many of us knew it was all about the mask three months ago, is really, to me, the biggest reason why we're in the problem that we're in. Shaking hands is one thing. It's all about this. If everybody just wears a mask, was wearing a mask, got on wearing the mask at the end of February, beginning of March, we would have a fraction of the problem that we have right now. But no leadership, no preparation, no unified getting on board like they did in Taiwan, like they did in Hong Kong, like they did in Singapore, like they did in South Korea. We don't have it. It's the Wild West in the United States, and we're screwed because of it. Jay, when did you have the uh-oh moment for the industry? First uh-oh was supply chain. China is going to be shut down. We didn't know whether it was for two weeks, two months, three months. I remember making a statement in the press, I think it was in the Times of the Wall Street Journal, and I said, hey, this could go to April or May. 
And I got phone calls from retailers. What do you mean? You can't say that. <laughs> April, May. This is late February, early March. And I was saying April, May, because I said, ah, you know, Trump, <laughs> you know, magically it's going to disappear. There's only one case. And I'm like, and that was only when it was a supply chain issue. Nobody knew it was going to be a demand issue. But my first big pop was when Italy was closed down. I think it was very early in March, might've been March 11th or something like that. Right. And the, and the Italians are, you know, kind of loose people also. They're not, they're not, the, they're not the Germans or the Scandinavians. They're, they're, they're Southern Europeans. They're romance, but very smart people also, you know, they gave us the Renaissance, the Roman empire. <laughs> when they closed their whole country down, you had to know that that was serious. You close a country with 65 million people down, close the borders, close the roads, close the airports, don't leave your house. Holy shit. If you didn't realize that was, excuse my language, if you didn't realize that was serious, you weren't thinking clearly. So to me, that's when I was like, uh-oh, this is really serious and a lot bigger than we thought. Then of course, when you roll those of us like yourselves, you guys live in New York. I grew up in New York. My 88-year-old dad and his 88-year-old wife live in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And you start to really watch what was happening in New York. Then you really had to know what was going on. So between knowing that the mask was key for, for in Hong Kong and how important it was to those folks, and then seeing this thing roll through Italy and then start to, to really explode in New York City... You know, it was really March, March that, you know, I knew it was a big, big problem. And which is why, again, I did some press and I announced publicly. I mean, who announces publicly? I'm laying 10 percent of my staff off. Right. And I, and I and I did it because in some ways it, it was a little bit of a public service. It was a little bit of therapy, you know, to share that, share the pain a little bit, to talk about what was going to be difficult for my company because I could see what was happening. And, and I knew like everybody was gonna be in the same situation. It just on March 6th, when I announced it, it, nobody was thinking about that and nobody was doing that. So, you know, that's when the, that's when the bells went off, man. And they are still ringing. And when we look at uh, what's going on for, for the back half of the year, uh, right. what, are you, what are you looking at? I know that some companies have postponed items till uh, 2021, some of the more technologically driven sort of tight production schedules right. in the first place. When you look at, at basic fun, what are you guys looking at for the, for the back half of the year? So really we're looking in two ways. To me, retail is sort of like a tale of two cities, you know, tale of two worlds. There are winners and, and, and businesses that are positioned purely by accident to benefit or, or to not be damaged as much as others. And that's, of course, Walmart, Target, Amazon, Walgreens, Costco, you know, places where you're general merchants. So people want to go into one location. They want to be able to get groceries and clothing and general merchandise supplies and things like that. So they're the winners. A lot of companies in our industry uh, really are 60, 70, sometimes more percent of their businesses with those accounts. So if that's the case for you, then generally your business is as stable as it can be. You've got a base, you've got a foundation. Uh, of course, the difference between a good year, a bad year, and a great year is what's in between. It's all the accounts that are having a challenge. So it's hard to imagine 
that anybody, even if you're 60, 70, 80% with the mass could be having anything better, but an okay year. Because mm-hmm. that other 40 to, to 20 or 10% of your customers are really suffering. And, and, and there's gotta be a trickle down there. So the idea is we, we have a lot of business with those, with, with those tier one, the accounts that are strong. So that's going to enable us to do our launches. If anybody's watching on a, on a video cast, you can see behind me Tonka and Care Bears. Those are our two big launches this year. No, no real technology, simple technology in, in, a, in a Care Bear interactive figure, basic plush, basic trucks. So we're we're full speed ahead launching those brands. Uh, certainly a lot more social media and a, a lot of different ways of doing that. Um, we'll have a little bit less business, but but. The business in, in our launches are with the big guys. We don't plan on interrupting those kind of launches and we'll be in business with most all our items, certainly with 75 or 80% of our accounts. We're watching now to see what happens with that other 20, 30%. So for us, who's the 20, 30%? TJX, JCPenney, if they can make it. Uh-huh. Uh, other specialty mid-tier accounts. And we have a big amusement business. So we have a business that that's, that's selling toys to the theme parks like Six Flags and Universal Studios and to places like Dave and Buster's and Chuck E. Cheese and even Circus Circus in Las Vegas. And we're hoping those guys open up sometime, you know, during the course of the summer and we get some business. So we're rolling out our products. There's no, there's no item in our company that we're not shipping or not introducing. It's just a question of where the volume goes. We're planning, and this is, again, it's something else that I've been projecting, uh, you know, publicly, you know, I'm projecting we're going to be off at least 20% this year. We're almost planning on it. I'm almost structuring my whole business to be off at least 20% because I think that's safer. The cash flow is going to be tighter this year. So I don't want extraneous inventory. I don't want to be stretching to ship accounts that I'm maybe worried about getting paid from. I don't want to be launching risky lines. Because the thing that I worry about the most is that we have a chaotic and unorganized and undisciplined reopening of our economy and our country that's being managed by 50 different governors and <laughs> 50 different counties and, you know, at hundreds of counties and thousands of cities, that's a recipe for disaster. And the disaster comes if we get another resurgence and a, and a dramatic spike in October, November, and all of a sudden in the, in the hard eight weeks of the season or the last four weeks of the season, a lot of retailers have to close up again. That's the big fear. That's what everybody needs to be positioning and, and to be careful because if that happens, what happens? We're all shipping now, May, June, July, August, September for the fall business. So a lot of us are going to get a lot of the shipments in. The trade's going to take a lot of shipments. But there's always that 10 or 20% that some of us or 30% that some of us may have domestically. Extra goods are flowing for re- replenishment. And if we get a shutdown in November, December, that stuff gets cut off. Plus, the sales volume goes way down. The overhang of goods shift. Customers either don't need anything for the first quarter or looking to mark stuff down to move it out. And that could be a a tremendous disaster from top to bottom in this industry. So those are a lot of the things I'm worried about. We're launching products, we're in business, but everybody needs to to worry about what happens if we have a a rebound. Jay, let's talk about um, K 
Care Bear in that category of products. You know, we've, we've heard a lot about sales of puzzles and games, uh, construction sets and outdoor. That's a, Those have been right. the, the products that are hot so far. What I haven't been hearing about is plush toys and dolls selling hotly, which confuses me because it seems to me this is teddy bear time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you, you, you would certainly think so. So I think with action figures and dolls, the challenge that people have with action figures and dolls is that you've had some really hot doll lines and some historically strong action figure lines. And if you look in any home's toy chest, generally you're going to see a lot of Spider-Man, a lot of Star Wars, a lot of LOL, a lot of Shopkins. Uh, a, a lot of things that have been around for a number of years. So the kids have them to play with. Are the parents going to keep buying more and more and more of things the kids have a lot of? It's harder to, to launch anything new. There's a lot of group activities that are happening. Let's build puzzles together. Let's do crafts together. Let's play games together. Whereas playing with action figures and playing with dolls and playing with vehicles is kind of a set solitary thing. So I think there's a little bit of an issue there. Every kid's got a ton of that stuff in their toy box already, and I can I can play. Plush, I think, is a little bit different. I think plush, what's been driving plush the last couple of years? Squishimals, squeezimals, softimals, uh, right. and the tactile stuff. Well, the last thing you want to do when you go to a store is touch tactile plush that you don't know who touched it a minute a couple minutes before That's you. True. That's true. Um, it generally tends to be stuff that's more impulse driven. So I'm in the store, I see this cute end cap, I see this dump display, I see a sidekick with something on it, see it, grab it. Well, a lot of people are, are site to storing, a lot of people are online shopping and that's gonna hurt. One of the things that we did with our plush this year, and I, and I must say completely by accident, not on purpose, I've got my Care Bear plush in a box. It's not bulk, it's not in an open box. And in fact, there's even a window in many cases on the product. And that was kind of deliberate when I when I decided how I wanted to relaunch Care Bears. And I wanted to relaunch it more as a gift and something that you would wrap and give to a child as opposed to something that would be bulk and you would just give it to them out of the sh shopping cart. And so I put it in this more closed box and, and we put a window on it. Um, because I want it to feel more valuable. So how do you make it feel like it's worth it when you package it and make it feel special when I get a Care Bear? Oh, it's in a box. Oh, it comes with a little collector coin. I got to take it out and open up. Maybe it was wrapped. Well, now that turns out to be a great way to sell a piece of plush <laughs> in a closed box right. that nobody can sneeze on, right. <laughs> you know, that nobody touched. So I think that's also part of it. I think that loose plush that could have fallen on the floor or anybody can touch and anybody could put and then dropped here and thrown there. That's what I think is going to be a little bit uh, challenged. Whether I'm right and by having put my Care Bears in a box is going to mean anything, I don't know. By accident or deliberate, you couldn't have written a scenario that's better for relaunching a brand like Care Bears. Who doesn't need a hug? Who doesn't need a Care Bear? Who doesn't need a good sentiment? Who doesn't need a product that you can give as a gift that has a good message. So, you know, we're hoping for the best with the Care Bear launch. It's not a toy that has a gun in it. <laughs> it's not a, 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 a toy that's Very dangerous a, Care Bear. a sexy outfit on it, you know, or says something cheeky. It's yeah. a beautiful sentiment. It's a beautiful thing. 
And we're hoping that the that consumers embrace it. And while, of course, I'm a, a businessman and a commercial marketer, I don't hope to profit off of, you know, just like Walmart or Target or Amazon, I hope, you know, happy to profit off of the fact that they've got a store concept that that is more apropos to what's happening. I'm launching a product that maybe is is apropos to what's happening and it's got a good message. So I don't really feel guilty about that. I feel, I feel hopeful that people embrace it just like I do with, with Tonka. Tonka's tough. Tonka says, put down the phone, put down the iPad, sit on the floor, play with a truck, take the truck outside in the backyard and go play and dig a hole and get your face out of a telephone or an iPad or off the TV. You know, so we're happy that we're, we're selling and marketing products that also have something good behind them. Play with a light bright. It's, 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 it's using your imagination. It's a great toy. So, you know, we're going to try to, you know, do what we can to make the best of what's happened. We talked to Rob Angel recently, who is the inventor of Pictionary. And one of the things that he talked about with relation to why Pictionary was a success was that it happened to be serendipitous to the time. So it sounds like a little bit about what you're doing with Care Bears is great. I love the whole notion of getting out and playing with Tonka, playing with your trucks, right. as, because that's something you can do in your yard, but it is the complement to other kinds of tech-based or screen-based entertainment, and it's still classic play. Kids still need right. and want that kind of play. I, I wanted to ask you about some of the bankruptcies we're seeing out sure. there. Some of them are surprising, some are not. Right. Are these strategic defensive plays uh, or are these people who are really in distress? On the supply side, I think a lot of us were surprised at Ruby's filed Chapter 11. Uh, on the retail side, I don't know if we've been as surprised by some of those. I mean, JCPenney, we know, has been struggling for a while. You know what they say, you know, and I'll steal it from Warren Buffett. I think he's the one who said, when the tide goes out, you know who's swimming without a bathing suit. Right. <laughs> um, so the idea is when you have crises like this, it accentuates or exacerbates challenges that companies have had. So in the in the sort of toyetic consumer product space, you know, Alex was a business that was troubled. It was burdened by a lot of debt, overexpansion. Uh, too many private equity players in there, and they were going to go down regardless. Ruby's, of course, much different situation, uh, but you can't really imagine a more perfect storm for a category, especially when the company is almost literally 100% in one category. Ruby's is to the consumer products business what airlines and the hotels and bars and restaurants are to to the public. Why don't you explain why that why you why you say that? It's an interesting comment. Because Christmas is a stay-at-home holiday. I mean, you may travel to a relative's house, but Christmas is a holiday you do in your house, you do in your living room, you open up gifts. They probably were purchased weeks or days or months even before you have control of them. They're in there, everything's happening in your house. If anybody comes over, you kind of know who they are. Halloween's an out-of-house holiday. It's people bought candy and trinkets and toys and everything days, a few days before. The whole idea is get together in a party with a whole bunch of kids and their friends and their parents and their families, go out on the street, walk around the neighborhood, oftentimes to, to houses that you don't know the people, knock on people's doors, get close, 
oh, here you go. Let me put that in your bag. Oh, you're so cute. Seriously, I believe that if you've got a four-year-old, six-year-old, two-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, they're going to want to dress up and you're going to buy a costume. And they might just be in the house or people might figure out another way to celebrate. Maybe it's drive-by trick-or-treating. You know, you drive by in your car and you stick your hand out the window. Fling stuff into your car. (laughs) Right. Or the kids are on the front of the driveway and people drive by and drop things in their thing. But it's going to be very different, right, this year. And also a lot of the Halloween costume business is adult parties and adult costumes. And you're going to have a lot less of those. And remember, Halloween comes right at the front end of flu season. So my guess is that, yes, there will be a Halloween. Will it be 50% or 75% of what it normally is? Probably. You know, I don't know whether it's 50 or 75, but it won't be 100. <laughs> it won't be 80. And so what does that do to a business, especially a business like, like a Ruby's, for example, that has grown over the years and is, it has gone into a lot of different areas? It's the perfect storm that even if you are a solid business, it's a buzzsaw. It's almost impossible to avoid a problem and challenges in that environment, let alone if you were having some struggles prior. So I think there are systemic issues with companies or retailers like JCPenney that were just problems like we had with Toys R Us year after year after year, changing nature of shopping, changing nature of uh, the retail structure, overloading a debt. That may be Alex in that case. And maybe you've got a J Crew and a Ruby's in another case, which is just the perfect storm, just like an airline. Can't blame the airlines for the fact that nobody wants to fly. You can't blame Rubies for the fact that they might lose 25 to 50% of their volume and have to take tremendous risk to figure out what to bring in. And so if it's strategic and they're doing it because now's the right time, that's why we have bankruptcy laws. The, the whole idea there is that they can restructure, they can come back, they can re build their business and keep people employed and uh, and that'll work out. And, and that's the one side of it. And the Alex side of it is the complete dissolving of the business and liquidation of the assets. And now somebody will pick those up and they'll try to rebuild that parts of that business within their company and life will roll on. Whether we ever see J. Crew back or JCPenney, don't know right now. We, we certainly know we probably will never see Toys R Us again. I should say never see Toys R Us in the United States again. You know, they're in Canada, they're in Asia and some other markets, so I won't comment on those areas. But I don't know that we ever see it in the U.S. again. Well, let's leave it there for the moment. We'll be back with Jay Foreman in a couple of minutes. Can you stick around? I sure can. You're listening to the Playground Podcast with Richard Gottlieb and me, Chris Byrne. And we are sponsored in part by Kid Stuff Public Relations. The continuation of our conversation with Jay Foreman, CEO of Basic Fun, is coming right up. And you're going to want to listen because we're going to get into some tricky issues such as the future of trade shows. Stay tuned.